everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk, brought to you by co-lead pastor, Amos Grunendijk. Um, If you have those Bibles, open them up to John chapter 6, page numbers up on the screen, and uh, we are continuing a series called Revive, and we're looking at metaphors, we're looking at images from the first 15 chapters of John. So for instance, if you were here last week, Emily spoke on birth as an image for what the new life in Jesus looks like. Now, images are super powerful, and they're sometimes a little uncomfortable for us right-brained people. Is that the analytical kind? I always get those confused. The left-brained people, I don't know what that says about my brain, but uh, (laughs) anyway. So imagery is a little bit uncomfortable for those of us living in a post-enlightenment modern worldview. Uh, In other words, some of us are just stuck in our heads, and what imagery does is it hits us in our hearts, it makes us feel things. So birth, if you think about birth, giving birth, Jesus says you must be born again. There's, There's imagery there, and it's super packed, and birth is messy, and birth is vulnerable, And birth, if you're the one being birthed, like you're just 100% dependent. Some of us don't like that feeling. And Emily did a good job of exploring the imagery around birth. And you have to understand, like Jesus, Jesus is using these metaphors on purpose, and he wants to hit us in the heart. He wants us to feel things. He wants us to hit us in that right brain. Is that right? Like the, the, the more creative, the more emotional, the more out-of-the-box uh, way of understanding. And so as we go forward, we'll look at some other like teachings Jesus get, gave, like Jesus is the light of the world, Jesus is the bread of life, Jesus is the vine, he says, and if you're not connected to me, then you're going to be dead. But if you are connected to me, then you'll have fruit. Today, we're going to be exploring the imagery of the Spirit. Now, the Spirit, of course, is not just an image or a metaphor. We believe, as the Bible reveals, that the Spirit is like one of the three persons of God. But it's also an image that is packed with meaning. So, for instance, when we say God the Father, that's not just the name, but it brings in this kind of, this this imagery in our mind. And and if we reflect on it, there's kind of an emotional reaction that we can have. So too with the Spirit. And so let me read to you from John chapter 6, verse 63, and a few verses after that. He says, the Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me, for Jesus from the beginning knew which ones didn't believe or put their trust in him, and he knew who would betray him. Just a little side. Like, that's pretty interesting that Jesus could look at Judas and say, I know you're not really with me, but he doesn't send him away. And it's not just Judas. There's several disciples, as we learned. But Jesus doesn't send them away, but he does let them leave. And so when Judas is confronted with his betrayal, At the Last Supper, he stands up and he runs 
out of the room. And when Jesus gives a hard teaching that some people cannot accept, what happens? Well, let's keep reading. Then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, verse 66, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. So even as people are leaving, Jesus is pursuing. Like he turns to Peter and says, are, are you with me? And Peter says, Lord, where else would we go? Nobody else has the life that you have offered. Verse 69, we believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. And so, as I said, we believe that the Spirit is not just a metaphor. The Spirit is a person, but this, the imagery of the Spirit is, is pretty rich. And so, I want you to remember that the, the word spirit or pneuma in the Greek has kind of a dual meaning. If you think of it in like just concrete terms, it's breath or it's wind. And Jesus says, apart from the Spirit of God, there is only death. Without breath, there is no spiritual life. Without God's breath in you, you cannot have eternal life. And so as you reflect on the idea of like the Spirit of God and, and our dependence on His breath and the life that comes from Him, Know also that when you contem contemplate the wind, the spirit is being like wind, you can't, oh, you can't see the wind. You can't control the wind. You can't bottle up the wind, but you can see what the wind is doing. And so what emotions do you feel as you think about God, the spirit? For me, it goes in two directions. On the one hand, it's thrilling, it's exciting, because God is active and he's moving and he gives us life. Uh, and on the other hand, it's terrifying because I can't control it. And he might take me places and do things that are outside of my comfort zone. And so I'm going to invite Bob up um, to speak on some of the gifts of the Spirit, because if the Spirit is in you, while we might not be able to look and say, oh, look, there's the Spirit of God, like in a physical sense, we should, we should see the gifts that flow out of you. And I'm thinking of today sort of like a, a cocktail. I think it's going to be one part Amos, two parts Bob today, and just we'll shake it, like the Holy Spirit will shake it up. But uh, if you don't know Bob, Bob and Marilyn started this church 30 years ago-ish, right around then. 92. 1992. So I think that's 30. It was in 1892. 1892. Anyway. <laughs> um, so we're going to both, I spoke, I may speak again depending on how long this all goes, but there's going to be a, uh, uh, an opportunity for you guys to participate in a little bit too. So yeah. enjoy. Well, a shout out for old vendor guys. Yay. <laughs> and young vineyard guys. <laughs> and women. 
It's good to be with you today again. Um, I said over the years that uh, what drew uh, my wife Marilyn to the vineyard uh, was the emphasis on both worship and the kingdom of God. And it's because um, God's presence can be very tangible through both of those practices. As we worship, together we experience Jesus. And when we pray for people, we experience Jesus in both subtle and um, powerful ways. I mean, isn't it fun when you go to church and God shows up? I, I love that. I love it when you come here and sense that God is here too. And then when you leave, you, you walk away and you get in your car and there's a sense that I met God today. And that's what it's all about. It's the Holy Spirit with us who gives us those tangible experiences of God's presence. Uh, before Jesus ascended into heaven to be with his father, he promised not to leave us as orphans, but that he would send us his Holy Spirit, whom he said would, would live in us and be with us. So we're in the vineyard, open to the presence of the Holy Spirit with us. I mean, God is so near that we believe we can communicate with him and he with us and know him through experiences. Now, there are some who say, oh, don't talk about experiences so much. You know, you should be just focusing on faith and what the Bible says. Well, you know what? I don't want to be saying or do anything that is not grounded in the Bible. But the last time I looked and read my Bible, I read it was about people, men and women, who had experiences with God. And they wrote them down. They had tangible experiences with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So they wrote them down by the inspiration of the Spirit. They said to us, it's for you too. One of the ways the Spirit works those tangible God experiences among us is through what are called the gifts of the Spirit. And what I love about the vineyard, and, and what I loved about the vineyard when we first came in, and what I love about the vineyard today, is that we have a belief in and practice of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, frankly, you, you don't find that often in churches. I mean, I'm not sure what your church background here is today. I mean, you know, what church group um, you, you have experience in. And frankly, it's, sometimes it's the people who have no church background or a limited church background that are most open to all of what God has for us, his people. Uh, they haven't been biased by a theology and practice that leaves no room for a now experience of God through the Holy Spirit. That was certainly my background. I, I went to church up until I was about 11 years old, and I had heard about the Holy Spirit, as in, you know, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus got a hold of me when I was 24 years old, and I heard there is this person, the Holy Spirit, who when you ask Jesus into your life. He filled you, and now he lives with you, and he wants to spend every day with living your life with you, and then he wants to give you these gifts so that you can do what Jesus did on the earth today. I said, sign me up. I want that. And it took another 10 years before I finally found a group called the Vineyard that took that seriously. 
See, a belief in what the Bible tells us about the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, it's not universal among the church. It's very similar to what the Apostle Paul encountered on one of his missionary journeys. He goes to Ephesus, and he meets a bunch of people there, and he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Much of the church, while they may believe the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, doesn't practice making room for him when they gather together. But that clearly is not God's intention for us as communicated in Scripture. The Apostle Paul writes to a church located in Corinth, and that's located in southern Greece. And he communicates with us about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 to 14 is one of the go-to places to find out information about understanding the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it's in chapter 12 that Paul lays out a list of Holy Spirit gifts that the Spirit may choose to distribute among us when we gather together as the church. And I say gather together because that is the context in which Paul writes about the gifts. Now, the gifts of the Spirit are certainly accessible and need to be applied in our lives out there. We spend very little time here comparatively, right? So the gifts are for out there where we get with people on the streets. But I found that here, as we practice them together, that the Spirit will equip us for out there. And certainly, you know, it's, it's safer here. We're among friends. When we mess up, we extend each other grace and forgiveness, right? But how many have found that out there, representing Jesus can get really tough? People don't have as much grace. Well, you find that in the church too, but moving right along. Anyway, uh, the letter 1 Corinthians is pretty much Paul pastorally addressing no less than 10 problems the Corinthian church had. And he systematically through chapters 1 through 10 goes through these various problems, brings correction and encouragement. Then in chapter 11, he has another issue he wants to address. And in 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen, he says this, But in the following instructions, I cannot praise you, for it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. So he says, more harm than good is done when you meet together. The Corinthian church was also known as the first church of, maybe we should have stayed home. Paul here gets into detailing what he's heard about the selfishness and disunity among the church as they took communion. We don't have time to go into that today, except to say that verse 17 is what is called the interpretive key, the interpretive key to understanding the nature of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians. So he says in verse 17, But in the following instructions, I cannot praise you, for it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. And then he says, in the first place, when you meet together, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. That sets the context for what Paul is going to say about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He's writing to them about what happens in their meetings when they meet together, when they come together. And he says, in the first place, I hear about the divisions. 
and he brings personal pastoral instructions about communion. And then when you get to chapter 12, he begins to write about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And again, he's writing about what can occur together as they are meeting and gathered. He said in chapter 11, in the first place, when you come together, I'm seeing this. And then in chapter 12, he says, now about when you come together, the gifts of the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Paul writes here, I don't want you to be uninformed about the gifts of the Spirit when you meet together. He doesn't want us to be uninformed about the Holy Spirit among us. I mean, we can't cut the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the, the, the writing about the Holy Spirit himself out of the Bible. We just can't leave that stuff out. Some say, well, well, it was applicable for Paul in his day. That's not applicable for us today. Where do you stop cutting things out of the Bible? You know, you, you, that kind of an approach, pretty soon the Bible has so many holes from things that we've left out. And you get a new version of the Bible, the revised Swiss Bible. It's got a lot of holes. Wait for it. It's a holy Bible. Oh, I'm sorry. I deserve that. But we believe the gifts of the Spirit are for, for today. I want to say that again. We believe the gifts of the Spirit are for today. And John Wimber, who led the vineyard from the 70s through the late 90s, pioneered a way of looking at the gifts of the Spirit that marries solid biblical theology and a naturally supernatural approach to practicing the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That you don't have to lose your brain to operate in the supernatural. You can function in the gifts of the Spirit in the most natural and normal ways possible. We're talking about flowing in the Holy Spirit, flowing in the gifts of the Spirit without a lot of hype or Posturing, your, posturing yourself in some kind of a religious way. Here are the gifts that Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians. So when we are gathered together, to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message or a word of wisdom. To another a message or a word of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit to another miraculous power, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So the context here is when you meet together. What happens when we meet together? To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That word manifestation, uh, the Greek word is kind of, um, it's, it, it means to uh, demonstrate. In other words, this is the way, the gifts are the way the Spirit is demonstrated among us. But when they translate to manifestation, they use two Latin terms, meaning festive hand or dancing hand. So the manifestations of the Holy Spirit are the dancing hand of God that occurs when we meet together, demonstrating how the Spirit works among us. 
And that phrase, each one in this passage, shouldn't be seen as meaning one person gets the gift of the word of knowledge, one person gets the gift of uh, uh, the word of wisdom, one person gets prophecy, one person, it doesn't mean that. The context means the Holy Spirit releases the gifts into the situations among us that need the intervention of God. And, and each one of us can receive any of the gifts as we are open to receive from the Holy Spirit. Our understanding of the gifts of the Spirit are that they are situational gifts that God distributes for the situations among us. They're not constituted as if, you know, I have the gift of healing or somebody else has the gift of the word of knowledge and that's all they do and nobody else can get in on that. Each one can flow in any of the gifts as the Holy Spirit determines. Now, I want to share a little bit on the word of knowledge today, and Amos is going to bring some insight into prophetic. The word of knowledge is receiving a piece of what God knows about a person, persons, or a situation. Now, Jesus operated and flowed in the Holy Spirit and the word of knowledge as he ministered to people. Uh, he, he goes to Peter's house, and Peter's mother-in-law is sick. And I remember John Wimber used to say to us, she was very sick. Evidently, there's something there in the Greek that indicated she was really in a bad way. So if you're Jesus, you say, how do I pray? And Jesus could have prayed a nice biblical prayer. Oh, Father in heaven, would you heal Peter's mother-in-law? And that would have been fine. But what he waits, listens to hear the Father's voice, and receives a piece of what God knows about the situation at hand. And so Jesus, it says, rebukes the fever, which means he spoke to the fever and said, stop it. And that word rebuke indicates that he was aware there was a spirit behind the fever that Peter's mother-in-law had. How do you receive a gift of the word of knowledge? The most common way is through impressions. An inner sense you receive, or you receive from the Holy Spirit. Or, you, or through pictures or scenarios of parts of the body. Or perhaps you see, again in your spirit, a word written out. Or you experience pain in your body that's not your pain. Sometimes you see people and they stand out from among others. You see people and it's like, okay, and the Lord seems to be saying, I need to pray for that person. Sometimes um, you see you're praying for somebody and then parts of their body, it's look like hot spots. There's like, they, they stand out or, and it's all in your spirit. It's not, you know, it's not in the natural, it's in your spirit. And these are ways you receive um, words of knowledge from what we've learned in the vineyard over the years of personal experiences of people who have prayed for people over the years. And you say, well, how did you know, you know, to pray that when you pray for that guy? Well, I was praying for this guy and all of a sudden I got this really bad pain in my neck and I don't have neck pain. So I said to him, are you having pain in your neck right now? And he says, yeah, how do you know that? That's, that's how it works. So the very ways people received the gifts, uh, was th these ways were taken note of over the years, and, and it's not an exhaustive list, but it's some of the common ways. Learning to flow in the gifts of the Spirit takes time. Learning to flow in the gifts of the Spirit takes time. 
we are a culture of instant gratification. We want what we want, and we want it now. You know, I can't wait all minute for my minute rice. I want my minute rice now. Uh, as an artist, I, I post paintings on Facebook and Instagram to let people know I'm, you know, I'm getting some work done and here's something I've done recently. But paintings take time and there's something in you that wants to get something out there for, so people can see it and you're excited about it. But paintings take time and, and this cartoon kind of uh, captured my thoughts recently. The guy's saying, I haven't posted a new work in three days. People must think I'm dead. Some things that are worthwhile take quite a long time. You've got Leonardo saying, after four years of hard work, I present to you the Mona Lisa. Four years of hard work. Some things take quite a long time. So when people say, you know, I don't find I'm getting words of knowledge. I don't find I'm getting impressions or I'm seeing pictures or, or I'm getting a lot of success when I pray for people. They're getting healed. The best, best advice that you can give somebody is to say, well, come back after you've prayed for 50 people or 100 people or 200 people. Then we can talk about successful prayer and hearing God. Because you really do get better at hearing God the more you pray for people over time. It takes time. That's been the experience of the people who have trained me over the years, and it's been my experience as I've prayed for people over the years. You learn to discern whether it's the Father's voice you're, you're sensing, or it's your own thoughts and your own ideas, or it's just indigestion or something, you know. Now, the context of operation of a word of knowledge can be a word shared to a person, usually when you're praying for them in a ministry time, or to a group of people. Sometimes words are given from the, given from the front, like um, there are people here with elbow pain, or maybe people here wrestling with um, some you know, suicidal thoughts. But impressions are the most common way I receive words of knowledge. Uh, one Sunday as we worshiped, uh, I quieted myself and I waited and I listened to see if God wanted to share with me anything he wanted to do. And, and that's, that's a good practice for hearing God effectively. Wait, get quiet, gear down rather than getting all hyped up. Like you're sitting there, oh, God, give me a word today. I need to get a word. Please give me a word for this person I'm praying for, Lord, please. No, you're not going to hear God doing that. Gear down. Just gear down. It's good to practice weight. You know what weight stands for? W-A-I-T. Why am I talking? <laughs> and when, you're pray when you're praying for somebody, gear down. Stop all the chatter. When you're trying to listen to God, the talking's in your head. Gear down. Let God fill you with what he wants. Listen as you pray for people. Just, and, and when you're praying for people and you're getting quiet, I often just say, if you hear silence, silence is good. It means we're trying to hear what God wants for you because you don't want what we have for you. You want what God has for you. So I quieted myself down and I waited and I had this impression. And the impression was inner ear. And at the same time, I saw a picture of an inner ear and it seemed like it was um, 
uh, swollen, irritated. So what I did was I threw that back to God, which is what I a lot of times do. And I asked him, what is that about? What are you saying in this? And I received another impression from God. Uh, he gave me another piece of what he knows, a word of knowledge. And he said, there are little children here today who have earaches, and I want to heal them. Now, did I hear God's audible voice? No. They are impressions that over time with experience, you come to know, you know, that sounds like God. That sounds like God when he's spoken to me before. That's not the breakfast burrito I had before I came to church, you know. Sometimes you don't get it right, and it was the burrito. But that's okay. Practice makes maybe not perfect, but it improves things as you take time. So at the end of the service, I just said, there are little children here today that have earaches, and God wants to heal them. So bring them up for ministry time. Now, after ministry, I was in the back, and a mom came up to me, and she said, well, I brought my little girl down for prayer. And I just wanted, wanted you to know that on the way to church today, she had said to me, Mommy, my ear hurts. And so I said, oh, and she was right there. And I said, can I, can I pray for her too? And so I did. I prayed for the little girl. The next Sunday, the mom came back to me and said, well, you know, she didn't complain at all on the way home. And then I called the doctor and made a, an appointment anyway and went in to see him. And he said, her ear's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Now, this was back when we were kind of experimenting with two different services. And during the second service, a family was visiting for the first time. It was the first time they came into our church. And they happened to sit over here. Marilyn was there. I think she was working with the kids, and then she came in for church. And this family came over, and they had a little girl with them. And they were just kind of chatting back and forth with Marilyn. And um, just before the service started, she said, oh, we have our little girl here because her ear's bothering her. And so I felt led to share the same word at the end of that service, and I, I shared it out. And Marilyn said they sat there, and when I shared it, they turned to her and went, what? And then they brought their little girl down, and she received prayer. Now, I want to tell you something, full disclosure. I have shared what I thought was God, and it fell flat many, many, many times. No connection to anyone. You throw out what you think you're getting in the word of knowledge, if, what you think God is saying to you. Uh, there are people here with left shoulder pain. Nothing. Crickets. Well, maybe it was your right shoulder that's bothering you. <laughs> Nothing. Are there people here, people here who have shoulders? You know, there's things at the top of your arms. You know, you kind of get desperate. Now, I'm, I'm kind of joking. But when you step out and throw out what you think you're hearing from God, and the effect is that a couple little girls get their earaches healed, that's going to keep you going. That if you're hearing something, you share it. When you're in that situation praying for somebody in the ministry time, and you sense you have something, you throw it out there to see what God's doing. Uh, word of knowledge is a very common way that we hear God and people get together before our service and they listen, they pray, and that's the, the list that you see behind us at the end of the service. These are the things that they believe God is wanting to touch uh, in the people who are gathered with us. Um, the word of knowledge can occur as we pray for, I'm almost done here, as we pray for people during 
ministry time. But I, you know, I wish I had worded that better because this is where the rubber meets the road. As we pray for people during ministry time, the word of knowledge occurs. Just expect it to happen. One last illustration. Um, and this is kind of like illustrating that sometimes words of knowledge will have a prophetic overtone. There's part of it that is not just identifying a condition, but it's what God wants for the person. It's kind of a forthtelling into the person's life of how God wants that person to address the situation or the condition at hand. We were at a uh, worship team uh, retreat a couple years back, and I was praying for a few people during ministry time, and everybody was praying for people. It was really cool. And I noticed on the other side of the room, there were a few guys praying for another guy. And I could, as I walked closer, I could see that he was kind of agitated. He was weeping a little bit, and uh, he, he really looked upset. And so I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what they were praying about. And so I just asked, Lord, Lord, what's going on here? What's going on? And I got this picture of an ambulance speeding along with flashing lights and blaring siren. So then I asked God, because I'm thinking, okay, what's that? I asked, Lord, what's the point of that? And what I got back was this, very succinct to the point. This isn't an emergency, slow down. So I spoke to the guy when I had a chance to, to speak into the prayer time. I said, you know, I, I'm not sure if this relates to your situation, but I'm sensing that God wants you to, to know something and he's, I'll just share it. This isn't an emergency, slow down. And he looked at me and went, whoa, that is really helpful. Thank you. And he told me afterwards he had a situation in his life where he felt like he had to handle it now. It was just that he was desperate to get an answer. He, he didn't know how to go, go forward, and he was just all worked up and bothered and worried and anxious about. And so that, you know, it's not an emergency. Slow down. So that's how a word of knowledge with a prophetic overtone might work. He said, well, how come you didn't tell him, hey, I saw an ambulance and, you know, hurry up. You know, people's lives are at stake. Now, that wouldn't have been what he needed in that situation. So it was another one of the situations. I said, Lord, what are you saying here? What is the proper application of this? So, so um, and just one last tidbit. Words of knowledge are usually succinct and to the point. Don't add a lot of travelogue to what you sense God giving you. Because the more you add, the more possibility, the gold nugget of what God has given you for that person will get covered in the hay of your words and your ideas and, and your thoughts. And in those cases, a lot of times that gold nugget is lost because there's so much travelogue. Okay, Amos, how did I do? Okay, it's not too bad. Well, Bob, let's, uh, let's invite people to do a little listening okay. and sharing for the word of knowledge. Can you guide that? Yeah. Yeah. And I, so Bob's going to lead us. I have a microphone here, though, so that you can share with the room what you feel like God is pressing into your heart. And then what will happen is we'll just write that on the board that Abigail's bringing up. And then later during ministry time, if the word 
resonates with you, you can come forward and get prayer. So we're not going to do prayer now, although maybe God will compel you to pray for someone during the worship time. Uh, what we're going to do right now is we're just going to listen and then share, kind of like what the team before the service does when they're listening for words during ministry time. So I'll... Okay. Um, and just to reiterate things we've said over the last several weeks, this is all an operative of the Holy Spirit. So, um, and again, just gear down, quiet your mind, Holy Spirit, come. We have been told again and again and again in, in the scriptures of how you love to be with and be within your people. And I just invite you right now to come, Holy Spirit. Would you release your gifts? Release your gifts to us today. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.